Making sure you and your loved ones can live comfortably in the future starts with choices you make today. At RBC Wealth Management, they can help you make the right choices in using the assets you've built up over a lifetime. Whether it's leaving something for your loved ones, enjoying your own retirement, or giving to a favorite charity, RBC Wealth Management will help you plan for the coming years and the coming generations. Call the Quigley Group at the Eau Claire office of RBC Wealth Management at 715-858-7788 to see how they can help. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Folks, this is 13 and 3, otherwise known as Mogi and JC, welcoming you to the next episode of the Breakout Sessions podcast. This episode is sponsored by Computer Recovery Associates and Dooley's Pub. We would like to welcome our featured guest to the podcast, University of Wisconsin Badger Women's Director of Hockey Operations and Equipment Manager and 2022 U.S. Olympic Equipment Manager, Sis Paulson. Mogi. Hey, we're down here in Madison, Wisconsin, uh, down at Laban Arena, and uh, Sis has uh, been gracious enough to host us for this podcast episode, so we're excited to have you here today, Sis. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate you guys making the trip here, especially in the snow. Well, I'll tell you what, we got the first class tour when we first got down here, sis, and we appreciate that, uh, showing us around the, the arena and the locker room and stuff. And you guys got quite an operation here. Pretty sweet. We do. We do. We have a really good setup here. Um, you know, we have our, our locker room, our dress down area. We have a sauna. We have hot tubs, cold tubs. We have everything you can imagine. Um, so the girls are set up pretty well when they come here. You know, we're going to talk about the Badgers here in a moment, but uh, I think Mogi and I would like to go to what you most recently had the honor of doing, and that is representing the United States uh, U.S. Women's Olympic Team as the equipment manager. Tell us about how that process happened and, and how did you feel about that? Oh, it was an unbelievable experience. Um, I, I guess starting from the beginning, uh, a few years ago, well, I guess I'll start way from the beginning. I, I've been working with USA Hockey for probably over 20 years, whether I was a player in it, um, and then I turned into a counselor, and then I was a coach with all the USA Hockey Camps, and now um, kind of come full circle, and I've, I'm back to I'm, I'm back with the staff again, so now I'm with the equipment manager. So a couple of years ago, I was happened to be in the right place at the right time, and they said, hey, we need somebody out at this August festival, and we have uh, you know six teams out there, and we need some extra bodies. Will you come out and help? And I did, and it was about a two-week process, and... Um, just kept getting asked to go back to, to more things. And, um, you know, lo and behold, they, they asked me to do some stuff for the national team. And then all of a sudden they asked me to do stuff for the Olympic team. So it was uh, kind of a whirlwind and kind of something, you know, in the right place at the right time. And then they liked what I did. So they kept asking me back. So you made all the team cuts. I did for once. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations. That's quite the honor, sis. Thank you very much. Well, as the process went along, you got to see many hockey players yourself along the way. How devastating it is, is it for these young ladies to get that final notice that they 
you know, don't make that final cut. Yeah, it's, it's tough. And, and the hard part is that, um, as the equipment manager, you're, you're told before they are, uh, because when they get cut, they just want to get out of there. So it was my, it was my job to, the coaching staff would let me know before I would pack up all their stuff so they could just swing in, grab their stuff and get out of there. Cause they don't want to be around the rink. They don't want to be around their teammates. They just want to get out of there. Um, so it's tough, you know, and especially, uh, with, so we started out with 28 and then we got down to 23. So those five kids, um, you know, three of them were badgers and that was also tough for me because I'd oh. worked with all of them already. Yeah. So, um, it was, uh, it was a, a really tough for me to go through as well, just to see their pain and everything. But they were, all three of them were very gracious. They all, um, you know, thanked me for, for everything that I've done. And, and all of them were like, I can't wait to get back to Wisconsin and, and work with you again. So that was really, they're, they're just unbelievable people. That's a good feeling to know that uh, you're still that well respected. And let's uh, let's go to the point now. The team is selected. You've been asked to be the equipment manager. What's it like getting on that plane heading overseas? <laughs> it's funny. So so back in March, uh, last March, um, they had asked me if I would do. So there's two of us, myself and Brent Prue, who's the the head guy at the University of Minnesota, and he's really the head equipment ma- equipment manager for the women's team. Um, but one of us had to do what we call the residency. So move up to Blaine with the team and be there every day from you know October all the way through the end of the Olympics. And Brent would come in when he could. Um, to different, you know, tournaments or different times that we would play Canada or whatever, but he couldn't be there full time because of his job. So the University of Wisconsin was very gracious. You know, Coach Johnson was unbelievable. Um, our administration was unbelievable with with allowing me to to take a, a what we I guess would consider a leave of absence from the equipment manager part, but I still did the director of operations part for the university. So I kind of I just kind of split my jobs between two teams now instead of doing both jobs for the one team. So. Um, you know, they asked me in March and, and we worked it out with the university and, and, you know, like I said, they were unbelievable with it and, you know, went off to, to worlds in August. And then, you know, we came back and then we, we moved into Blaine. And, um, I think at that point I, it still re- really hadn't hit me because, you know, the Olympics were up in the air, but with COVID and everything and, you know, we're COVID testing once, sometimes twice a day and it's every single day. And, um, just, you know, kind of the grind of going through that. Um, and then on January 24th, we flew to LA to do, go through what they call U.S. Olympic processing. So you go through, you have, you know, all your COVID tests again, you get all of your, a lot of your gear, um, do all your paperwork to go over. And then you have to sit and wait to make sure that those COVID tests come back negative. And then on January 27th, the morning of the 27th, if your test came back negative, you get to get on the plane. And when my test came back negative on the 27th, I think that's when it really hit me like, oh my goodness, I'm actually going to the Olympics. Because you can't get too excited before that because you don't even know, you know, you could not be getting on that plane and not for anything that you did. But if you, sure. if you caught COVID, you couldn't go. Dang. So since you talk about uh, your, your dual positions here at Wisconsin, you're the equipment manager and then the director of hop, hockey ops. So tell us a little bit about both of those roles. So basically, um, both of those are everything that happens behind the scenes. I have my hand in it is kind of the easiest way to explain it. So, 
Um, I'll do all the travel, um, set up all the meals, all that stuff with the help of, of Steph Arndt, our, our, our athletic trainer, does a lot of the nutrition stuff for us. So she helps me out with meals. She picks out what we should get. Um, but I, you know, I, I sign for everything. I do all the BEOs. I set up all the hotels, all the buses, all the planes, all that stuff, um, get everything arranged. And then um, also in charge of the budget as far as, you know, for the, for the, universe, for the women's hockey team. Um, and then all in charge of all the ordering, you know, everything equipment, um, you know, whether you're fixing equipment, sharpening skates, ordering equipment, um, the Under Armour budget that we have, I order all of that stuff, all the CCM stuff, you know, again, there's, there's so many behind this, everything that happens behind the scenes, I probably have something to do with it. Wow. (laughs) Right or wrong, good or bad. Busy, busy, busy. (laughs) Yeah, it's... I mean, the good thing now is that most trips are kind of like a template now. So sure. you okay. know which yeah. hotel you're staying in. You know kind of what the, the food you want, um, where you're going to get food after after the second game for the bus ride home, different things like that. So um, the first couple of years was a little tougher, um, but now everything kind of runs pretty smoothly. And Coach Johnson's very much a creature of habit, so he doesn't like to change anything. So it makes my life a lot easier, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> okay. You're on that plane. You head overseas, you land in a foreign country. Did it feel like you were welcomed over there? Or, or what's the transition period once you get over there? Yeah, everybody was absolutely amazing. Um, you know, the hardest part was obviously the language barrier. Um, most, everybody, every other country speaks English, which is good, but a lot of it is broken English. So you're kind of trying to figure out, um, you know, hey, where did, our, where did all of our bags go? And we're missing this. And to try to figure out where that is. And, and luckily for us, we were on a charter flight. So it was all U.S. Olympic, Olympic athletes and staff that were on our charter flight. So it's not like we went commercial and we're trying to f- dig through bags with any other like public person or country or anything like that. So we just, we had, we had our U.S. stuff, but some of our bags got placed on, you know, either men's hockey or, you know, curling or something like that so you just had to track it down and it was fine at the end of the day it was fine um you but the 23 like, people you have to keep track of their bags too right yeah so we had 23 <laughs> players and then several staff members so i think there was probably about 40 of us in all in all so but yeah it was uh yeah so then you know once we gather all of our stuff um they transport it in box trucks to the rank and then they put everything in the in the middle of your locker room and you hope it's there, and then then myself and Brent would go through, and we hang up all all the girls' stuff, and we get everything arranged. We get there, you know, we go to the rink probably a day or two before they the kids get there. So not kids, the women, the players, um, they're kids to me. Um, but we get there a day or two before and get everything set up. So when they walk in, it's it's like home to them. What's what's the locker room atmosphere now when those players walk in there for the first time? Is it starting to set in now? You know what's going through their minds. Yeah, I, I'm guessing as a you know as a player, they walk in and they have all their U.S. stuff hanging up. Um, you know, we have obviously not game jerseys the first day, but we have practice jerseys hanging up in their stall, and they're brand new jerseys. They've never seen them before. They have a different logo on it. Obviously, the the same logo that it's just the straight USA across the front, like like the game jerseys. Um, but I think the the first game that we played when those kids walked in, they're just you know you can hear them getting pretty excited because, you know, their game jerseys hanging in their stall and it's real then. Yeah. I can only imagine what oh, that would feel like. I'm getting like. goosebumps just listening to her talk about it. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's pretty cool. Well, they're, you know, they're in China and then they're representing the United States. 
Absolutely. Probably every girl's dream, really. Yeah, every for hockey sure. playing girl's dream. What, you know, you've, through your playing days, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, have gone through so many different coaches through, you know, the youth ranks to your college ranks and, and then your, yourself being a coach. What was the motivational speeches or what was the, uh, what was the impetus of making these girls want to work harder once they got over there? What were the coaches telling them to keep motivated? Um, honestly, I, I, I wasn't around for hardly any of the coaching stuff. I was never in the locker room. Um, you know, we do all of our work before and after the girls are there for the most part you okay. know, inside the locker room. So we have our own work area. Um, so I didn't, I wasn't around a lot and I didn't hear a lot of what the coaches would say. Um, again, I don't, in my opinion, that's none of my business anyway. Like, you know, it, the locker room is a sacred area for the coaches and for the players in my opinion. So I, I tried to be out of there unless I was needed inside the locker room to, you know, change a blade, change skate blades or fix something. I was never in there. Now that said, um, we had a lot of older players on this team who didn't need any motivation, you know, and you had a lot of younger players that just wanted, you know, they're just so excited to be a part of the team. Um, and those older players, I think just, just the way they carry themselves, you, I mean, they're, those younger kids followed them and did what, you know, they, they did everything the right way, in my opinion. It's, you know, there was really no, no need for motivation because yeah. those kids, those older kids have been there and they knew what they wanted and those younger kids yeah. wanted to do everything they could to help yeah. get that, you know, yeah. have, an, have a great experience and have success. You know, what some of our listeners might not know is that you played a, a lot of games or the team played a lot of games beforehand against uh, men's teams yep. in preparation. Do you feel or did the team feel that that's what they needed to kind of get an idea of what the speed was going to be once they got uh, into the Olympics? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, playing against, against you know, like 16 new boys, 18 new boys, and, and playing against um, some of the NAHL and NAHL three teams that we played um, definitely helped with speed and, and, you know, being physical. You know, when we play Canada, it's, it's a physical hockey game, whether people want to admit it or not. Um, and just to get that, the speed that, you know, a 16, 18, 20 year old guy can, can match against us. Like we, we needed that, um, you know, so in order to prepare for, you know, those big games against, you know, Finland and, and Canada that, that in the Swiss, you know, that we, we needed to play. So I think our coaching staff thought that that was our, our best, uh, preparation. Okay. Well, obviously a devastating uh, loss to Canada in the gold medal game, but uh, the silver medal, nothing to be ashamed of. Just a wonderful accomplishment, and if nothing else, gives them great motivation for 2026. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, personally, it's bittersweet for me. Um, you know, we had five kids on the U.S. team, and fi uh, five Badgers, I should say, and five Badgers on, on the um, Canadian team. So a lot of those kids that you know, I worked with that I've known for, for many, many years. Um, so yeah, you're devastated for your own team, but you're so happy for those, those kids on the other team that you can just see the pure joy because you saw the heartbreak on their face in 2018. Um, and now for them to have the pure joy and, um, just to, you know, you're just so proud, you know, you're proud to have that many Badgers representing their country and, um, you know, that many Badgers going home with either a gold or silver medal. It's pretty cool. Well, think about that. I mean, that's, basically half of a hockey team from one university here in the United States. That's an amazing accomplishment. That says a lot about the
the caliber of play and the caliber of recruiting that you folks are able to do down here in Wisconsin. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, Coach Johnson, Dan Cook, Jackie Crum, you know, they've been together and been here for a really long time. Um, and they've done an unbelievable job. Um, you know, every year we have, we have players that are involved in, in, you know, Hockey Canada and with Team USA and, um, you know, just the pride that you have that you look across these, you know, U18, U22 um, women's national teams and you see Badgers trickled all over. It's it's pretty cool. It's it's um, you know, it's a testament to how hard our coaching staff works and, and how great that they are at recruiting and also developing players. You know, they don't just get them here and then, you know, that's that's good for four years. They get them here and they make them better. Right. That's for sure. Well, sis, you came through here. Actually, and uh, you actually started uh, everything here in, in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. So you were a tremendous all-around athlete. How did you develop such a competitive personality? Have you met my brother? Uh, actually, this is the <laughs> very first uh, brother-sister tandem that's been on here. And uh, uh, for those of you who have listened to our podcast in the past, you probably remember hearing about Buck Paulson. He's the, the video coach for the Iowa Wild right now. So... Uh, she and Keith are, are both, uh, have their careers in hockey and, uh, tells you a little bit about them, um, how competitive they still are. And I remember talking to Buck and just watching the passion just flow out of him when we had our interviews, just amazing. So the fact that both of you come from the same household and here you are both in hockey and, and I still sense a competitive nature coming out of you, sis. So that's, that's pretty cool. So yeah, I guess you probably had a little something to do with your brother, huh? Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, you know, my mom and dad, I can't say enough about how they raised my, my brother and me. Um, and then having an older brother, like I just, you know, he, I, he let me follow him around, but it wasn't like, you know, Hey, if you're going to play with us, you know, there's no crying. There's no telling mom and dad, like if you're going to play with the big boys, then you need to play. So, um, you know, I learned that at a young age and, and he, he was, Keith and I are very, very close. Um, you know, we, he's always looked over, over me and looked after me and, um, even his buddies too. I mean, they, they've always, you know, looked, looked after me and, and made sure that I was all right and people weren't picking on me and all that stuff. But they also said, Hey, you got to hold your own too. So, um, you know, the competitiveness in our family, I mean, whether it's, you know, playing darts or playing hockey doesn't matter. It's, it doesn't matter. Everybody, you know, you're all in and, and you're playing for, for pride and it's, you know, it's, Big time bragging rights. So, uh, yeah, I don't think that's I don't think that's um, eased at all in our forty some years that, that oh, we've man. been here. That's amazing. <laughs> so, how did you end up get involved in hockey? Basically, because of my brother. So, so our oldest cousin Jade, um, he started in hockey. He was in Altoona, and my brother went and you know I guess our parents took us and to watch him play, and and uh, my brother really fell in love with it and. So when my brother started playing, again, I'd follow him around and do it, want to do everything he did. So he started playing, um, and therefore I started playing, and um, that it just kind of went from there. So a three-sport athlete at Eau Claire North. You're a volleyball player, you're a hockey player, and you're a softball player. Yep. So can you give us a little uh, understanding of, of how your high school volleyball career ended? <laughs> yes, I can. Uh, we uh, ended up in getting beat in the sectional finals. So we did not get a chance to go to state for volleyball and they handed out silver, I would say little medals. And, um, I, I took my silver medal in my hand and 
wasn't real happy with the result, so I kind of chucked it toward our bench, and it hit a <laughs> it hit a chair and went up and hit somebody in the crowd, and who happened to be an administrator or somebody administrator's wife or something. I don't remember exactly who it was, and um, yeah, I got called in called into the principal's office the next day, and it was not a. It was, I actually got called into Dave Turner's office the next day, and he was not happy with with me. And um, he called my mom and dad. You know, I'm sure. a senior in yeah. high school. He calls my mom and dad, which is odd. You know, I, I was like, okay. And uh, my dad actually stood up and said, "Hey, you know, it, it's not her fault. I I made her like this. Like this. That's exactly what oh. I would have done. Um, so you can blame me just as much as you blame her." Um, and I actually had Mr. Turner's class the next morning. And I sat in the first row, and at the end of the day, the or at the end of the class, um, the buzzer rang, or the bell rang, and I got up to leave. And he walked over and he set that medal right on my desk, and he said, "I think I think you're missing something." And I said, "No thanks," and I turned and walked away. So, uh, but no, he was a great sport about it. Um, you know, I, I called the woman and apologized and, and wrote a letter to to Memorial High School, and um, you know, it's one, <laughs> it's it's one of those things where you know, in the moment, you're you're a little mad and and it comes back to kind of bite you but it is what it is and everybody was really good sports about it and i learned my lesson well that competitive nature <laughs> coming right. out you weren't happy with second that's right so uh, you also played volleyball or excuse me also played softball and the word out on the street is that you were actually a better softball player than you were a hockey player so, i was uh, i was so a did, much better softball player than i was a hockey player. so did you have any chance to go and play any softball after your high school days um, I did. I, I had the opportunity. I had already uh, committed to play hockey here at Wisconsin, and I know the softball coach um, had tried to get me to play softball as well. And um, after my freshman year, I, our coach my freshman year was Julie Sasner, and she said, you know, don't, don't do both sports your freshman year. Just get here and, you know, get into college, get into your classes. You know, let's have a successful year, you know, your first year, and then we'll talk later about it. Well, I blew up my shoulder, my right shoulder, my freshman year of college and couldn't really throw a ball anymore. But, um, so that kind of ended, but again, my, uh, hockey was always my passion. You know, I liked softball. I really, I really did. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't a love for me. And, um, I just, I, I loved hockey. And still do. And still do, yes. <laughs> you know, you mentioned your playing days and the competitiveness between you and your brother. When you were growing up playing hockey through your youth high school years, were you playing on the boys' teams? I was, yep. And do you feel that that helped you mature as a player, not only um, physically but also mentally when you were you know, growing up and, and preparing yourself in the game? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you're when you're playing boys hockey, you know, when you're younger, everybody's about the same, right? Whether you're a boy or a girl, you know, there's no hormones involved yet. Nobody's got their growth spurt. Nobody's, you know, filled out. Um, you know, when you get to your teenage years, that's where it gets a little tougher. And, you know, for myself, I was never going to be very big. Um, so I knew that I had to, I knew that I had to be a, a student of the game. I knew I had to know the game better than other people did. So, um that's, I mean, I, and, and I, I, I tried to do that. I tried to take pride in that. And, um, you know, as the guys got older, I just tried to get smarter. I don't know if that's the right thing to say, but, <laughs> um, so yeah, so I, I just tried to put myself in positions where I would be successful and try to keep away from positions that, you know, I would get killed out there. So, um, you know, yeah, I mean, hockey's tough and, and, you know, all the guys, they, they didn't take it easy on me, nor would I would have, nor would I have wanted that. Um, you know, I was just, I was just another hockey player. And that's all I knew. I, n I never played on a girls' team anyway. 
So it's not like I knew the difference between playing against guys and playing against girls. And the first women's team I'd ever played on when I was a freshman here at Wisconsin. You know, we had a previous guest, uh, Susie Mussey-Kempf, um, who was a pioneer in hockey in her own right. And, and she had a similar, you know, uh, comments that she just wanted to play the sport and didn't look at it as a, as a boy or girls team, but it was a hockey team. Yep. And that's what she wanted to do. And it sounds that that's exactly what you wanted to do. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I wanted to, from a, as a little kid, I wanted to do what my brother did. You know, I wanted to play hockey and um, I just, I didn't, I don't even know if I really realized that I was the only one out there. I was the only girl out there. I was just another hockey player. And that's what the way they treated me too. You know, they weren't, they weren't easy on me. They weren't hard on me. They were just, I was just another hockey player to them. And that's the way I wanted it. You know, we're going to take a break here real quick and give a shout out to one of our sponsors. Dooley's Pub has been Eau Claire's home for hockey and all sports fans since 2005. Dooley's Pub is a proud booster of the University of Wisconsin Eau Claire and all local high schools. Dooley's is located on historic Water Street, providing excellent food and service. And I will tell you that when Mogi and I go in there, uh, we are always treated very well. And uh, a great place to sit and ha have a beverage and shoot the breeze, if nothing else. Absolutely, yeah. All right. Appreciate that. You know, sis, um, you, we were talking about multi-sports. How do you feel about the fact that you played multiple sports through your years in uh, youth and high school? Do you feel that that helped you get better as an athlete as opposed to playing one sport the whole time? Absolutely, for me. Um, I, and I, I think it could hold true to a lot of, of young athletes. I mean, if, you, if you're continuing to do the same thing over and over and over again, in my opinion, you're using the same muscles, um, you're not going to be a better athlete because of that. You can be a better hockey player if you just play hockey. But I, don't, I think the all-around athlete, you need to do and you need to play different sports. And I think, a better, I think an, if you're a better athlete, it makes you a better hockey player. So in my opinion, the more sports that you can play, it keeps it, it you know, you're using different muscles in your body uh, and you don't burn out of anything. Like I never burned out of any one of my sports. I loved hockey the most and I wanted to do it the most. However, um, it, in softball season, I'd go out and I'd, you know, we'd have a couple games of softball or whatever during the day and come home and you'd just shoot some pucks at night in the basement, you know, the, just because I wanted to. Um, but, yeah, I definitely think, you know, multiple sport athletes are the best athletes that, that we have. You know, I'm going to ask you a question regarding your high school years. You know, as our photos of us get out on social media as this podcast date release gets closer, individuals who don't know you are going to see that you're not the biggest in stature. <laughs> and in your high school playing days, you were playing on a boys' high school hockey team. What did you do to compensate for your size? How did you manage to stay in the game as well as you did? Well, I think I, I thought I was six foot, and that's kind of how, <laughs> how I, I thought I was six foot, 180 pounds. But I, I was, I was only about... You the choir there, sis. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so I think that was the big thing. I didn't, I didn't care who I was going against. I didn't care how big they were. I was just playing hockey. And, and again, I think I was trying to, I was trying to put myself in, in good smart situations where, you know, I'd keep my head up and I, I had to keep my head up. I couldn't come across center ice with my head down because you're going to get killed. 
you know, whether you're five, nothing or, or six foot, you're going to get killed. So yeah. if you're five, nothing, you really don't want to come across center ice with your head down. So, I mean, I think just little things like that. And, and my brother shot, uh, showed me just, you know, just little tricks. He wasn't the biggest guy either. So, you know, I saw him and saw the way he played and I'd be like, Oh, okay. You know, if I do these little tricks here and there, that's going to, that's going to benefit me. And it's going to put me on the right side of the person, the right side of the body or on the right side of the puck or whatever. Um, and maybe come out of there, you know, and do some things so you don't get your head taken off. That's part of playing smarter. For sure. Yeah. And, and any player can learn those things. Correct. Yeah. You know, what position did you play? I was a defenseman. Yeah. And going into the corner uh, on four checks, you really had to keep your head up and know what was going on. When you were digging that puck out of your corner, you didn't know if that six-foot forward was coming down on you or not. Absolutely. Uh, you know, you're as a defenseman and, and the other team dumps it in, you're the first guy back. And, and you know, you have to figure out, okay, what am I going to do here? Because he's got a full head of steam coming and you know, I got to figure out a way to get this puck and get it, get it out of our zone. Um, you know, get it up to the wings, get it to the center or, or whatever it takes to get it out of the zone. You can't turn the puck over. So you figure things out. Some things work, some things don't. And, you know, you make mistakes and you learn from those and, uh, you just, you just hope to live another day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get that. So, uh, following your high school career, sis, you became a member of the inaugural Wisconsin Badgers, uh, D1 women's hockey team. Tell us about that experience. Oh, so I mean, that was incredible. Um, you know, I, I never thought that I could play for the University of Wisconsin because back when I was in high school, there was no team. So I think it was my junior year, they announced that it was going to be a team. Um, and I, I took my visit here. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know why I had to take a visit here because I knew I wanted to play here. Um, <laughs> it was a no brainer for me, but, um, I, I signed early, what they called back then, signing early was in November of your senior year. Well, now signing early is like as a fourth grader, but that's a different, that's a different story. So anyway, um, so I signed early as a senior in, in November, and I remember the first day that I came on campus um, and we had practice, we, we, they took us into the Cole Center and they had all the lights and whistles on and, and they had, you know, everything was on the Jumbotron and you just you came out and you just look around and you just can't believe that you're a D1 hockey player at the University of Wisconsin. And they've never had that before. So um, the cool thing is that, you know, we were, I mean, I think we had 18 players on our team that year or maybe 20. Um, and we were all freshmen. I mean, we had two like graduate people, a couple people that were older, but we were all basically 18 years old coming in and we didn't know what to do, and, and we just kind of set a culture that I think that has, over the years, has, has, it's cool to look back now and say, hey, you know, we see the girls, you know, some of the things that they do, and I'm like, hey, you know, we, we kind of set that standard here, you know, we, yeah. you know, so it's kind of cool to look back and say, hey, you know, we had something to do with this. Very, very good. You know, you mentioned that you signed early. When was Wisconsin starting to look at you? That's a good question. I actually remember Sue Mussey coming to watch me play at in Eau Claire when I was a, I think I was a sophomore. And um, once she found out that I was a sophomore, she's like, I can't be here because the, the, the NCAA rules at that point. I know she had, I think she had talked to my dad or my, my mom and my dad, and she was talking to them because she thought I was a junior because you can start watching and recruiting kids and talking to them when you're a junior. Well, back then, some of the rules have changed now, but um, so she, she's like, I have to leave. So she, 
took off. I actually don't ever remember Wisconsin coming to recruit me. Wow. Coming to watch me, I should say. Sure. I remember having phone calls, but I don't ever remember. I don't have a great memory, but I don't ever remember anybody from Wisconsin <laughs> coming, to, coming to watch me play. Do you remember how they originally reached out to you then? I don't. I, I, I really don't. Um, I just knew that once they had a team that I wanted to go and this I wanted to play. where you wanted to be. Yep. Okay. Nothing wrong with that. And you have currently and had at your time um, as a Badger coach somebody with quite a resume. What's that like? working with Coach Johnson right now, this uh, gold medal Olympian, former NHL hockey player. What's that like? He is unbelievable. He's, he's such an unbelievable coach, mentor, friend. He's like a father figure to me. Um, he's, he's, I can't even say enough words about him. Um, but you, you would have no idea what he's been through, all of the experiences that he's had if you just sat down and had a conversation with him because he's the most humble man that I've ever met in my entire life. And, um, it's so cool to, and I'll, t I'll tell you one story here. Um, we were, we were off on a recruiting trip. I think I was, I was working up at Midgey at the time and, and coach Johnson was here and we were on a real small plane coming back from, I don't even know, Calgary, I think it was. And there was a boys hockey team on our, on our plane with us coming back to Minnesota. And he was two rows in front of me and he sat down next to these these guys, you know, these 14, 15, 16-year-old guys. And, um, you know, he talked to them the whole way, the whole trip. He was talking to them. And I was talking to a couple of the guys that I was with, too. And we were just kind of chit-chatting, talking hockey. And plane lands, and we get off the plane. And um, we, <laughs> we start walking down, walking to get off the plane. And I kind of look at the guy next to me, and I go, do you know who that guy is right there? And they're like, no, but our buddies were talking to him the whole time. And I go, yeah. I go, have you ever seen the movie Miracle? And the kid kind of looks at me and he goes, yeah, why? And I go, well, that was Mark Johnson. And Coach Johnson would never, ever say who he was. He just sat there and just talked hockey with the kids the whole time. And it was, it was so cool to see, like, because I was a couple seats back. And then the faces of those guys, once they figured out, you know, once I told them who he was, they yeah. were just in awe. It was really cool. <laughs> I can only imagine what that would have been like in itself, let alone working and, and playing for a guy like that. You know, through your collegiate years, you guys, you started out all as freshmen and you gain experience. What was that like growing with this inaugural team into a profound university setting the standard for what is now, you know, multinational championships? Yeah, it's so cool to see. It's it's such a proud, you know, we're so proud of what we started here, you know, and, and you know, people want to see your pioneers and all that stuff. I, I don't think so. I think we were just hockey players that were just super excited that we got to play hockey here at the University of Wisconsin. And obviously we went through some road bumps in the first few years and, you know, they won their first national championship in 2006. And, you know, we were probably more proud, you know, our, our 98 group was probably more proud than, than the 2006 kids that actually won it. So, I mean, we talk about it all the time. We have a pretty good group text going with all of our, our original, you know, first couple of years, you know, 98, 99, 2000, those first couple of years teams, we have group techs going and, and we're talking all the time and it's, it's pretty cool. There's a lot of, lot of pride from, from those early years with the team that is with these late teams. So you, sis, up, up to this point, you are the only three person to be a captain for three years. So what is your leadership style? I think I'm, people are just 
afraid of me, really. <laughs> <laughs> She's small, folks, but so's a stick of dynamite, right? <laughs> no, I think, you know, I, I think, I don't even know if I really have a style. I, I think I'm fair, um, but I also think I'm pretty tough. Like, I'm, I'm tough on things. I'm a no... I'm an old bull kind of person. Like, you know, hey, we have a task at hand. This is what we need to do to get that task done, and let's do it. You know, we do it as a team, and um, I think I'm, I'm kind of like that through my through my life. You know, it's like, you know, there's there's really no I here. It's like we're all going to do this together. You know, there's there's things that need to be done behind the scenes to make this team successful, and I want to be a part of that. And you know, how do how do we help each other to be successful? And um, you know, I I don't know. I I think I just that's just my personality. You know, you said you're you're a tough person, and you know, going back to a previous comment about the physicality of the game between the Americans and the Canadians in the Olympics, you were also a very physical player, and you had quite a few penalty minutes <laughs> sure in your did. collegiate career. Do you still lead the NCAA in penalty minutes? Uh, myself and, and my, um, my D partner at the time, Monkey Wyland, um, we both, we both share that honor. Um, honor. <laughs> I believe, yes, it is an honor. I believe, uh, I believe I have more penalties, but she has more minutes or vice versa or something like that. But yeah, the, usually when the freshmen come in, the first thing the scene, the upperclassmen tell the freshmen is, Hey, you know. She doesn't. Have, she doesn't lead the league in points, but she leads them in uh, in penalty minutes. So, that's pretty. It's pretty funny to hear some of those kids. Do you think that maybe had a had a connection with you coming up through playing with the boys? Oh, definitely. You know, my first year, I, I think I had a. I don't even know how many penalties I had. Probably a hundred minutes. I don't know. Um, but it was an adjustment, right? Because sure. for eighteen years or whatever, fifteen years, however long I played, leading into leading into college, you only played boys hockey. So you learn how to check, you learn how to take a check and, and it comes second nature, right? So when a kid's coming down the board, a girl's coming down the boards, you know, I'm going to light her up and I got it. And after it, cause you're not thinking you're in a game. So everything's natural to you. You just yeah. do what you're supposed Automatic. to do. Yeah. And then it's like, you throw your hands up after and like, you can't do that. So it took, it was, it was a little bit of an adjustment for me. Um, but then I think I had the reputation through the league that I was a goon. So I was all right with that. I was totally all right with that. Well, you know what? Going into the corner then was probably a lot easier for you because people were backing off a little bit. That's right. That's sure. right. There you go. Your, your reputation preceded you. <laughs> Good or bad, it sure did. <laughs> Do you feel in the future that there is room for contact, physical contact in the women's game? So funny you say that. There is a lot of physical contact uh, in the women's game. Um, and, and I think if you watch uh, the U.S. versus Canada or us, uh, Wisconsin versus Minnesota, Wisconsin versus Ohio State, you'll see a lot of that physical play. Um, and, and I think it's you're, you're really only taking away the open ice hits is really the only thing that happens. Because if you watch Team USA play Team Canada, there's definitely – body checking that they just don't call and they call it physical play or whatever. Um, body contact is what they call it. But, um, it's really in the women's game. They really have only just taken away the open ice hits. So mainly on the wall. Yeah. So on yep. the wall, you, you know, yep. you can muck it up on the wall and everything. As long as you keep your hands down, just like in the guy's game, you sure. know, get your hands up, you get a penalty, but, yep. um, you know, you can't take three steps from across the rink and, and come over and kill somebody. But I think for the most part, it's it's a pretty physical game. And, and um, you know, they take away their open ice hits. And that's that's the women's game, in my opinion. 
Well, you're obviously well-respected in the hockey community because, you know, we've only talked about a little bit of your resume so far, but you also have some coaching history. Tell us or walk us through after your collegiate days, what got you into coaching? So I was lucky enough, um, I was a super senior, so I got five years here at, at UW. I only got to play four, but I had school for five. So um, I was lucky nice. enough, my fifth year, um, I had asked Coach Johnson if I could stick around um, and be kind of like a, a student coach, you know, just be around, because I knew I wanted to coach um, when I got done with college. I didn't know at what level, but I knew I really liked hockey, I wanted to stay involved, and I wanted to be a coach. And he was nice enough to let me stick around and – um, you know, learn from him. And I remember it was one of the, I mean, we had, we had worked together, obviously I'd played for him and then we'd worked together summer camps and stuff like that. And, and I remember it was one of the first weeks of, of, um, my fit. So it was my fifth year. It was my, one of my first weeks of coaching with him and we were on our way out to the rink and, um, he was in front of me and he stopped and he looked back at me. We were about three steps from the ice and he goes, so you say you want to be a coach, huh? And I go, yeah, I would love to someday. And he goes, well, first three drills are yours then. You got to learn to think on your feet. And there was, and I stopped and I was like, okay, I got this. And, and I went out there and I ran the first three drills and he was like, okay. You know, so, I mean, that was probably the best thing for me because I had no practice plan. Coach Johnson never has a practice plan. I should say that he has a practice plan, but he changes it like five seconds into practice. So, but you know, just little things like that, you need to learn, you know, not everything's going to go like you want it to go and you can be prepared as much as you want, but you're going to have to make changes. And, um, that was one of the best first lessons that I ever learned in coaching. I'm guessing he did that because he knew you'd be able to pull it off. I think so. I didn't know it at the time, but yeah, looking back, yep. he, he had some confidence in me that I didn't have yet. Yep. He wouldn't have done that to anybody if nope. he thought they would fail. Correct. You All right, know. let's uh, take another minute to reach out to our other sponsor. It is Computer Recovery Associates. They specialize in removing, monetizing, and recycling computer hardware from large data centers. Whether you're looking to relocate, repurpose, sell, or recycle, Computer Recovery Associates can help. Check them out at computerrecoveryassociates.com. Can you give us a little bit of insight uh, from your playing days and the type of motivational speech you would have gotten from Coach Johnson when you were playing? <laughs> um, sure. Coach isn't really a motivational spe speaker, to be honest. Um, he just, he comes in and he knows that, you know, prior to a game, he knows that you're prepared and he assures you you're prepared. And he just, I mean, his pregame speeches are less than 20 seconds. But I think when he comes into a room, like, you know who he is, and he's just got this, this aura about him. Like, hey, I'm going to tell you that you're prepared. Now go out and play. And so we go out and play. I mean, it's, it's the most unbelievable thing. He's not a rah-rah guy at all. Um, he know, you know when he's disappointed in you. Um, he doesn't have to say it. Sometimes he will, but oftentimes he doesn't say a word about it. He just, he just has this way about him that you just – the amount of respect when he walks into the room for anybody. Um, it's just, it's, it's unbelievable. Would you, uh, would you like to aspire someday to get back into coaching from where you are now? That's a great question. And I've been asked that a lot. Um, I, right now, I think I have my dream job um, just for the simple fact of just the experiences that I've had. I mean, just in the last 
12 months. Um, you know, I've, as, as an athlete, I would have never, I, I wasn't good enough to make the Olympic team. And I knew that, and I've had the opportunity in my job now with doing the equipment, I've had the opportunity to go to the Olympics and be a part of that. Um, you know, I have, in my opinion, my dream job here at Wisconsin, I work for a great coaching staff. There's great resources here. There's great support. Um, you know, Nate LaPointe on the other side is just like, he's, he's like a brother to me. He looks after me every day too. Um, you know, him and I work so well together. We share all of the, uh, equipment stuff, you know, whether it's a sewing machine or, or whatever it may be, heat press, like he's like, yep, you know, he's, he's given me a key to his, his office. Um, he has a key to my office. I mean, we, we work so well together and it's, it's, I couldn't ask for a better environment to be working in. So, sis, you, you did do a, quite a bit of coaching after you did leave. You know, you, uh, you were actually the director of girls hockey for the New Jersey Colonials. You worked at Minnesota State, and then you were the head coach at New England College for four seasons. What, what drew you back to Madison then? Um, I got a call from Coach Johnson that said, hey, we have an opening as an equipment manager. What do you think? Um, and, and the funny thing behind that is, is the equipment manager that was here before me, his name is Paul Hickman. He was there he was a, when I was a freshman. So he's been here forever. And I joked with Coach Johnson and Jackie and Dan and said, Paul's got the best job in the world. Like, I would love that. Um, I didn't really, like, I didn't love recruiting. I would go on a rink and sit and watch hockey forever, but I didn't like making the phone calls to a kid. And I'm not a salesperson. I don't want to sell the school to, like, if you want to come here, great. If not, I'm not going to beg you to come here type thing. So I didn't really care for the recruiting part. I liked the X's and O's coaching part, um, but I didn't like, which is only about 10% of your job, right? All the other stuff, the recruiting, the, you know, the, the academic stuff that you have to, you know, the ba babysitting of, of the players that you need to do. Um, I, I didn't care for all the rest of that. So now I had the opportunity to come back and be a big part of, of this, this program and do kind of the behind the scenes stuff. But when I go home at night, I don't need to make re recruiting phone calls. I don't need to call a 15 year old girl and say, Hey, you know, are you going to prom this weekend? Like that's, that's not me. That's, you know, it's, I, I just, I didn't care for that part. And I think I got the best of both worlds to be like, I'm on the bench every single day for the games. Um, you know, girls will come up and ask me some questions. Hey, you know, I knew you were a defenseman. You know, they'll bounce off ideas off me. The coaching staff will bounce ideas off me. Hey, hey, what did you see in this period? Different things like that. So I think I kind of have the best of both worlds where I get to do some coaching, but I also, you know, kind of get to stay out of the spotlight. Do you ever get out on ice with the ladies? Sometimes I get the call up. Sometimes on power play days, co coach will give me up. the call up and... <laughs> And then he'll immediately send me back down to the AHL. So I think I, I get about two good shifts in, and then and then that's a that's about it. <laughs> that's awesome. You know, um, give us real quick a synopsis of a day in the life on game day. What's what's your preparation like? So for for me, I'll get in here early. Um, we usually have obviously a, a, a pregame skate for the opposing team. So they'll go out and they'll pregame skate first, and then our team will pregame skate. Um, I'll usually get a workout in in the middle of that. Um, I have to do all of their laundry, all of our laundry, get prepared. Um, the girls will come back. We'll have team meal um, down in the dining hall. And um, then they'll come back, and we'll, I'll have you know all the skates sharpened, um, all the equipment stuff done that I needed to, um, hang up their jerseys in their stalls and, and be ready. F you know They usually trickle in 
about four thirty, five o'clock for a 7 p.m. game. And um, then it's just, you're just kind of there. Um, and then you're there till, till late at night, just doing, you know, post game, you're doing jerseys and socks, you're doing loops and towels for both teams. So um, those, you know, those, those days are, are long. Uh, you know, you're putting in usually 12 to 14 hour days, but it's not hard work and I enjoy it. You know, it's just, it's a long time because there's some dead, dead periods in between. Um, but it's, it's so enjoyable and I love being around the rink and, and love being around our staff. And so it's, I mean, those 14 hour days, they fly by for me. You know, I'm going to switch gears to the Olympics real quick. Um, the U.S. team suffered a significant injury of one of its players, you know, early on. In your opinion, how bad did that affect the rest of the tournament for the for the ladies? Yeah, I think it was it was pretty devastating um, for our entire team. Um, you know, Brianna Decker, I've known her since she was 12 years old. Um, so I, you know, to watch that happen, I've I've never I've never heard her scream like that. So I knew it was bad. Um, and everybody knew it was bad. Um, but just, you know, our, our team that day, they rallied, you know, we were playing Finland and I think we were, I don't even know what the score was at the time because she went down so early, but we ended up winning that game five to nothing. So I think our team rallied around that and, but it was devastating. I mean, she's our number one center. So, you know, to have that kid go down, you know, it just, you know, now people are filling, filling spots and, and, and I think our players did a great job of filling spots, but that's, it's, those are tough, tough shoes to fill. So, um, and, and I give it to, to Decker. She did a great job of, you know, just being, being a leader, excuse me, for as much as she could off the ice. You know, she was, she was in a, in a boot and she was in a lot of pain, but she was there every day for practice and games and she was upbeat and she was, you know, eye in the sky helping our coaching staff. Hey, this is what I see. This is what, you know, these are some changes that I think we can make. And, and, you know, she's got a, she's got a high hockey IQ as well. So she was, un, she was incredible with just giving everything that she could, even though she couldn't be on the ice. And, and I think the girls did as, as well as they could without her, but, I mean, it's, it, she's, your, she's your top player. It's a, it's a tough blow. You know, I'm going to ask you the same question I asked Susie Mussey-Kempf and also another pioneer in hockey, Karin Bai. You're a young hockey player, a girl growing up in, in the ranks, and I run into Sis Paulson, and I say, Sis, what do I need to do to get to where you were? What's your answer? Oh, geez. Uh, I would just say just work, just work hard. I mean, work ethic is something that, you know, you, you can't teach it. You either have it or you don't. Um, you know, you just, you need to work hard in order to be successful in anything, whether it's sports, whether it's a job, um, any part of life, I, I think just, you know, just work hard at something. You could be, you, you may not be that talented, but your work ethic will bring you, you know, as, as high of a level as, as you're going to get, in my opinion. Mogi, I think this has been a fantastic chat. You know, I've, I've been watching her and looking her in the eye when she's speaking, and uh, she just still has that competitive fire burning inside her. And I'll uh, tell you what, I wouldn't want her into her in a dark alley, JC. No. Even actually, with you there with me. <laughs> you know, as a, as a retired law enforcement officer, I'd rather have her watching my six. I, I understand where you're coming <laughs> from there, buddy. <laughs> Sis, thank you very much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. 
Oh, thank you guys for having me on. I just hope my my session was a little bit better than my brother's. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, sis. (laughs) All right. You know what? Buck, it was. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, don't go away. We still have our medical minute and our special guest. We're here now with our special guest from Rice Lake, Wisconsin, Phoenix. I'm kind of excited about this one, Mogi. I'm excited, too. We had a little talk uh, before we sat down here for the interview, and uh, I was very intrigued by some of his answers, and I think some of our uh, listeners will be, too. My big question for Phoenix is he's, he's uh, donned a blue Toronto Maple Leafs jersey, and I asked him why he had the Maple Leafs jerseys. Can you share that with our listeners, Phoenix? Yeah, thanks for ha- having me. Um, my favorite team is the Toronto Maple Leafs because – I like Mitch Marner, and Austin Matthews is my favorite player. And And what do you like so much about Austin? He's got a sweet mustache. (laughs) (laughs) And I think he has 51 goals right now, too, so not too shabby, right? Yeah. (laughs) You know, you were talking a little bit earlier about one of the aspects of hockey that you like, and that is kind of the physicality of it. Can you tell our listeners what happens when you uh, play hockey a little bit? Um, Sometimes I get penalties for getting mad and so I check kids and you end up in the sin bin don't you yeah okay does coach yell at you for that or is he happy that you're playing physical sometimes he's mad but sometimes he's happy about it all right you know why don't you tell our listeners who do you play for and what position do you play uh I play for Rice Lake Wisconsin um peewees and and is it is it uh, a traveling team? Do you guys go to other towns to play? Yeah, we do. Um, we go within Wisconsin anywhere. All right. What's the farthest place you went this year to play? Um, Black River Falls. Black River. That's a good trip from Rice Lake. Yeah. Yeah. How'd you do down there? Um, we got. Yeah, we got third place in the tournament. All right. Not too shabby. Now, you were talking to Mogi and I before we turned on the microphones here about a sweet move you made this year and scored a goal. Why don't you tell tell us about that? Um, I did the Michigan in a game, and if you're wondering what it is, it's where you flip the puck up on your stick, and it's like a lacrosse move, and you bring it around the net, and you put it in the net. How cool is that, Moog? That's that's pretty amazing. And you, you talk about the skill of the kids these days. I mean, you know, that that move came out a long time ago, but more and more you're seeing it. You're seeing NHL players do it, and you're seeing the young kids do it. And just to have that hand-eye coordination and the skill to be able to do that, that's pretty amazing. Did you, did you work on that in your garage to try to perfect it or more on the ice? Yeah, I had to practice it a lot on the ice because I had to practice while standing still, and I also had to practice doing it while I'm skating. But it probably took me just about the whole season to figure it out and get it down. What did did the goalie have a? What, what kind of look did the goalie have on his face when you scored? Uh, I suppose I hard get, to tell with a goalie mask on. Yeah, I didn't get a good look, but I'd assume he had yeah. <laughs> a big old <laughs> mouth open. How'd your teammates react? They were they were they went crazy. And the coaches the coaches were excited. Um it was just really fun. Yeah, it's a cool move. <laughs> Congratulations. Be able to pull it off in a game is pretty amazing. Speaking of teammates, you want to give a shout out to any teammates you really like playing with? Um yes. Um Benjamin Woods and Brendan Woods, 
they're both really very, very good players, and they're fun to hang out with. That's cool. And how about your coaches? Who were your coaches this last year? Um, I, I had for coaches Dennis Flood and Jeff Frischman, and they were pretty sweet coaches. Well, you know, he's pretty excited here, Moog. You think he'll be playing hockey again next year? Well, I, I think he probably will. Um, I know his mom told us about the garage issue where they don't have any room for cars because all his hockey paraphernalia and baseball stuff out there. So sounds like he's pretty motivated. Um, I wanted to ask you if you got a chance to see any of your local high school games this year. Yeah, actually, we ended up going to state and winning it. And I got to, I got to see that game. Were you down in Madison when they played? Yeah. Did the whole town go down there and just go crazy? Pretty much. That's that's pretty awesome. Congratulations. So that gives you a little bit of motivation. Now you're yeah. going to keep yeah, playing. Yeah, And um, that's actually the first time that our high school team's ever won yep. state. So Pretty cool feeling. So do you want to play high school hockey in Rice Lake someday? Yeah, and I hope we can make it to the state championship. So they, what did they do for a hairdo down there? Bleach their hair. Okay, you're you're a brunette. How's that going to look on you? Have you tried that yet? Is your mom willing to let you take give it a shot? No, I didn't want to because this is the first time I've grown my hair out. And if I if <laughs> you don't want to end up looking like me, right? <laughs> Something goes wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> this is Sorry. you know, Mo's got that perfect hairdo. He never has to comb. So. Phoenix, this has been kind of cool. Is there uh, anything that we forgot to ask you that you want to add? Not much, but, I mean, I love the game, and it's super fun. All right. That's coming through in spades. Yeah. yeah. Now, oh, you know, one last last quick question. You play other sports, too, don't you? Yeah. I play football and baseball, um, and I golf a little bit, too. Oh, he's got everything going. All-around athlete. Sounds great. Oh, you know, and I understand that you started out as a defenseman but are a winger now, correct? Yeah, that is correct. And why did you end up going to wing? Because my coach said that I had a lot of speed, so I should move up to right wing. All right. Kind of like me and Mogi. Mogi's got the speed, so I'm back on D, <laughs> right, Mog? That's, that's the way it ended up, right? <laughs> right? Phoenix, thank you very much for being our guest today. Thank you for having me. All right, folks, we are back with our medical minute. Uh, please welcome Lynn from Chippewa Valley Orthopedics. Thanks for having me again today. I'm just going to touch base today on hydration, and it's important to remember that hydration doesn't just happen on game days. It's something that happens every day, um, and you need to make sure that you're getting enough fluids during the day, and especially when you're competing uh, in games and participating in practices. Um, Water is great, obviously. Um, The hydration drinks of electrolyte drinks um, are great. Milk is a great source of protein in addition to being a source of hydration for you. And it's great to use right after a workout because it helps to with muscle recovery following a workout. So milk is highly recommended following a workout. Um, Just don't forget that you can also eat your water. So it comes in the form of fruits and veggies um, and things like that. So you can get your hydration that way. Um, if you have lost any weight during your workout, you need to replenish that weight um, with fluids. And we recommend about 16 ounces for every pound of fluid that is lost during a workout. Thank you, Lynn. And a huge thank you to our audience. We'd like to thank our featured guest, Sis Paulson, and our special guest, Phoenix Randall Heft.
A special thank you to our sponsors, Computer Recovery Associates and Dooley's Pub. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter and visit us on our website at thebreakoutsessions.com. And as always, until our next episode, stay on your inside edges. It just